morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Kind of spread out. It's like, all right, great. Uh, so this morning, third Sunday of Advent, I'm excited uh, to continue thinking about the coming of Christ. That's what Advent means. And during this Advent, we celebrate Christ's coming. We celebrate also what Christ brought into this world uh, when he came. Two weeks ago, we celebrated the hope that Christ brought. Not, not wishful thinking, but that strong, confident expectation based on the promises of God's word. Last week, we celebrated peace. Peace that comes from Christ. Peace that Christ brought. Not the end of war between nations, but peace between God and his, his creatures. You and I, his creation. The coming of Christ was the coming of hope the coming of peace. Now this week we turn to the coming of joy. And so to prepare our hearts for that, would you uh, watch this video? When Christ came, he brought joy. In Luke chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, we read uh, of the angels' words to the shepherds as they announce Christ's coming. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This angel came, and he he brought good news. News that Israel had been hoping for. News that would bring peace between God and humanity. News that Christ, that Christ, Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew Messiah or anointed one. News that the anointed Christ had come to bring salvation. And this news was the best news possible, the best news ever. This news was of great joy. This news would bring joy Joy to all people, the angel says. The coming of Jesus is the coming of joy. So, we ask again, as we've asked about hope and peace, what is joy? Now today we're going to look at some of what the Bible says about joy. Not everything, there's a lot. But let's just start with the definition of the word. The, 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 The joy is from the Greek word kara. And it means just what you would expect it to mean. Joy is this uh, spontaneous uh, emotion of cheerfulness, gladness, and delight. Cheerfulness, gladness, and delight. So so let me ask this of you guys, and you can respond if if something comes to mind. What brings you joy as you think about your life? What brings you joy? Children, some, sometimes. <laughs> the, birth, the birth of a baby before they have brought you heartache, they bring you joy. Other things. Doing yard sales brings Steve joy. If you guys have any stuff that you want to get rid of, Steve will take it and he will yard sale it. And that will bring him joy and you joy because you get rid of stuff. Other things. Friendships. Friendships with, with other people bring you joy. Nature, seeing uh, 
God's creation in nature, other things. Hosting dinner for family and friends, and I've been adopted into Brian's family, so I can... Yes, sure. You said... Creative activities, doing creative things. That's great. So there are things that that bring us joy, and that's great. Now, before we look a little deeper into what the Bible says about joy, have you ever just stopped to think about the fact that God wants you, God desires you to experience joy? He wants you to be cheerful. He wants you to be delighted and, and glad. Two weeks ago, when we were looking at hope, Uh, We read from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Paul prays that God would fill the Roman believers with joy, with peace. This was also Jesus' desire for his disciples. He says in John chapter 15, verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Jesus had joy. Jesus experienced joy. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The things that Jesus taught were to fill his disciples with joy. God wants his people to be full of joy. Rejoice always. And again I say rejoice, the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians. What a wonderful truth to know that our God, our Creator, desires for us to experience joy joy. So often the world and and sometimes even the church portrays Christianity and and Christians as these stoic, joyless people with a a joy-killing God, uh, just with a list of things, don't do this, don't do this, anything that makes you happy, anything that brings you joy, those you can't do. But I'm here to say, and I hope we know, it's not true. Jesus brought joy, and God wants you to experience that joy. So how do we do that? How do we experience joy in our lives? Back to our passage. The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. We've received the good news. Have you received the good news of Jesus Christ? The good news that Christ has come. Therefore, we should have great joy. We should be the most cheerful, delighted, glad people in this world. But our joy is different in many respects from the world's joy. And by different, I don't mean less. I mean more. I don't mean less intense. I mean more intense. I don't mean less fulfilling. I mean more fulfilling. I don't mean some watered-down, unemotional version of, of joy that the world talks about. I mean a joy so intense that the world can't even understand it. That's the joy that Jesus wants for us. That's the joy that Jesus brings. That's the joy we can experience because of Christ coming into our world. So what I want us to see this morning are four principles, four truths about about biblical joy. I want us to understand intellectually in our, in our brains and then appropriate emotionally in our hearts the joy that only comes through Christ. And as we do that, I think Tom made a great point, as we do that, as we do that, as we experience it, understand what it is, as we begin to experience it, then it can't help but overflow into the world around us. 
bring joy to others. And the first thing I want to emphasize, and we've said it, it's in the definition, joy is an emotion. It means to be cheerful, delighted, glad. It's a feeling. Joy's not an act of willpower. It's a spontaneous emotional response of your heart. God is, a, God is one who's working on our heart. God is transforming our hearts. In 1 Peter 1.8, Peter speaks of the joy that comes from faith in an unseen Savior. He says, Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. The inexpressible glory-filled joy that Peter speaks about isn't a decision we choose to make. It's an inexpressible feeling that overcomes those who believe, that comes upon us as we believe, as we experience God working in our lives. It gives us joy. You can't just say, you can't just say to yourself, no matter what's happening, you can't just say, self, I'm be joyful. You can't do that. You can't decide to experience joy. You can decide to get out of bed. You can decide to go to the store. But you cannot, in the same way, decide to have a feeling of joy. When the angels announce that he was bringing good news of great joy, the joy that the people would experience would be a spontaneous emotional reaction to the good news. They'd been waiting thousands of years for their Messiah. And the good news that, that a Savior, uh, the Anointed One, the Messiah, Christ the Lord, had been born would bring them great joy. Again, joy is an emotion, a feeling that comes in response. It's in response to something. Good news or, or good grades or a good meal. Some of the things we've listed here this morning. Now, if we were just talking about common joy, the joy that everyone in the world can experience, we could stop at this point. I could just say, uh, okay, here's the application for today. Do Think about those things that bring you joy and go find ways to do them. Go, go put yourself in situations where you can experience these kind of joy. Find circumstances that bring you joy. But this is where the joy of the world, the joy that the world experiences, and the joy that comes through Christ differ. The Bible teaches something extraordinary about the joy that we can experience. And that is that joy is not circumstantial. And by circumstantial, I mean it's not based on your current earthly circumstances. For the believer, our joy is not based on our circumstances. Biblical joy goes beyond our earthly circumstances. The world's joy is based on what is happening at, the, at that given moment. How things are going now. How things are going today. If things are going well, got some joy. If things are going poorly, no joy. If my team wins the game, then I have joy. I'm a Golden State Warriors fan. Had a lot of joy recently. Sorry. They were undefeated up until last night, and then a little sadness now. But if my team loses, then where's my joy? Right? We tend to view uh, joy 
as, as it, it, it tends to be in response to our circumstances. But this type of joy is fleeting at best. This is why people often, in the church, I've heard this a lot, we want to make this distinction between joy on the one hand and happiness on the other, right? We tend to view happiness as this superficial, circumstance-based emotion and joy as this deep God-given thing. Well, I would say yes to one and no to the other. Let me, let me give you a little side note. We need to be careful when we talk about happiness and try to distinguish it from joy. Scripture doesn't make any distinction between these two. There are words in Scripture that are translated happy. There are words translated joy, and they're very similar. The word in, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that means happy, we translate it oftentimes blessed in, the, in the, both the Old and New Testaments. In Psalm chapter 144, verse 15, uh, the psalmist writes, blessed or, or happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has a whole list of, thi- of those who are blessed, those who are happy. You know the list? The Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek. Think happy, happy are the meek, are the, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, the peacemakers, blessed, happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We'll get to that in a little bit. So happiness doesn't have to be this superficial, uh, based on your circumstances, emotion. It can and often means the, the same thing as joy does. So, so back to joy. In contrast to joy or happiness that the world touts, wants us to have, there's a depth to the joy that the Bible speaks of. A depth. I've got that joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. I would lead a chorus. How about this one? Have you guys ever heard this, this verse? I've got that far out feeling that freaks out pharaohs down in my heart. Down in my heart. That far out feeling, that joy, joy, it's deep in your heart. Now, how do we know that, that the joy of Scripture is different from the joy in the world? Because the Bible describes a joy that is not only not based on having good external circumstances, not based on everything going your way, but a joy that even flourishes, blooms, blossoms in the midst of difficult external circumstances. Listen to what Paul, and this is crazy talk uh, to, to the world, what Paul says in Romans, and, and there's going to be several of these. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 5.3. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. The external circumstance, what's going on around him, is suffering and in him. But the internal reaction is joy. Because suffering, because he knows, he has perspective, he knows suffering produces, there's a point to this suffering, it's going to produce endurance. Listen to this. Biblical joy looks beyond your current circumstances 
to what God is doing in your life through those circumstances. Let me say that again. Biblical joy looks beyond your current circumstances to what God is going to do, is doing in your life through your circumstances. For the joy set before Him, Christ endured the cross. He was looking beyond His immediate circumstances, the crucifixion. He was looking to what God would accomplish and it brought Him joy. In Thessalonians 1.6, Paul writes, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord Jesus, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. When the gospel came to the, the people of Thessalonica, it came with affliction. It came with persecution and it came with suffering. You can read about that in Acts chapter 17. No time to go there now. The Thessalonians experienced much affliction, But in the midst of that, they received it, the affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about the Holy Spirit's role in uh, providing us with joy in a minute. But for now, we, we need to understand that this is not normal. This is not what the world would call uh, uh, w- w- this is not a, a time the world will look to as a, uh, to experience joy because affliction and joy uh, are to many opposites. They are as different as night and day. They don't belong together. If, if a person is suffering, if a person is, is being afflicted, the world would have no expectation or even possibility that that same person could be experiencing joy. And if someone is experiencing joy, then, then the natural, we would naturally assume that he's not suffering. By definition, if you're, if you're re- rejoicing, if you're, if you're feeling joy, you can't be suffering. But biblical joy is not the same. It's not based on your immediate circumstances. In, in 2 Corinthians 8, 2, excuse me, Paul writes, For in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of a severe test of affliction, I mean, this is like ramp it up, their abundance, and then ramp up the joy, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. The church in Corinth experienced severe affliction, Acts chapter 18, if you have time. But that did not prevent them from having abundant joy. In fact, it seemed to uh, enhance their joy. And it led to great generosity. Earlier in 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote about himself and his companions. He wrote about their emotions. He said, as sorrowful, there are times of sorrow. As sorrowful, there are times when uh, we're sad, yet always rejoicing. There's this underlying depth of joy, even in times of sorrow, rejoicing as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. There's a a contrast in the Christian life. Paul's joy existed not merely alongside suffering, but in the midst of sorrows. The world views sorrows, like affliction, as the opposite of joy. They, They just don't go together. But the joy that the Bible speaks of is a very different, very different. It's a strange emotion. It's not only, it not only endures, but seems to grow in difficult times. 
This is what I'm trying to, uh, to get us to see. When I say biblical joy is deep, it's not based on our circumstances. Have you, have you had the opportunity to experience this kind of deep joy? Joy that comes in the midst of sorrow and pain, affliction, suffering. Maybe not jumping up and down joy, but joy in knowing that come what may... God is sovereign. God is in control. That no matter what happens, Jesus Christ has entered into your life, is transforming you into His image, is working together all things for His good. That God is at work for your good, even in the midst of pain. That takes some faith. It takes some trust. But it brings joy. Maybe, maybe you've thought this way. Maybe God is a little bit wiser than we are. Maybe he knows something we don't know. Maybe he knows that true joy is refined and in fact grows in the midst of sorrow. Sorrow. Maybe you've even experienced this in your own life. During some times of great difficulty, sickness, grief, pain, sorrow. It's during those times, I believe, more than any other That if you turn to the Lord, if you trust in the Lord, if you invite the Lord into your life, into these circumstances, into the difficulties, then He will reveal Himself to you in new and powerful ways. He'll overcome the circumstances. Your relationship with Him will grow, and with His coming into your life, there comes great joy. How do I know this? I know this from, uh, let me give you three sources that I know it from. Three witnesses that testify to me the truth that there can be joy in the midst of pain and sorrow. First, because that's what the Bible teaches. We've just seen it in the world. Affliction and joy linked together, together at the same time, as of sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. There's no, there's no in, the, in Scripture, there's no distinction between having this emotion of joy. There's no, uh, it doesn't leave you in difficult times. First witness is the Scripture. Second, I know this because I've heard about it and I've seen it in the lives of others. I've seen people... I've seen people in this congregation suffering, uh, difficulty, pain, grief, yet still rejoicing in their Lord. In the midst of difficulty, experiencing joy that their relationship with the Lord brings. And third, I, I know this, I know that joy can be experienced in the midst of pain and sorrow and grief because I've experienced it myself. I don't claim, uh, I don't want to say I've been blessed, because that's, that's not what I'm, I'm trying to get across. I don't claim that my life has had a ton of suffering like, like many other people, even in this room. I've had a fairly easy life. But there have been some difficulties. There have been times, times of separation from my children when they were little, even. Times of difficulty in marriage. Hard to believe, I know, with such a wonderful wife, but it it happens. Times of grief over a loss of loved ones. And in those times when I was willing, and I'm not always willing, when I was willing to turn to the Lord 
and invite him into my pain, he always showed up. He would be there uh, to bring comfort and joy. So I can say with confidence that biblical joy is a deep emotion that is not crushed by affliction and pain and sorrow. It's this undergirding thing that, that holds us up in the midst of our pain and sorrow. That, that it's not based on, but looks beyond our current circumstances to what God is doing in your life through those circumstances. That's a gift, really, to be able to, to have perspective, to be able to look beyond the immediate and say, God, what are you doing here? And instead of blame, God, what are you doing here? God, what are you doing here? I can't wait to see how this turns out. Thank you. Now, some might be asking a, a logical question. How, how is this possible? How is this possible? How is it possible to have the emotion, and again, it is emotion, of joy when your circumstances are less than joyful? And, what, and I want to answer that question in, in our third and fourth points. How can you have joy in less than joy? How can, and, and again, we need to remember joy is it's an emotion. How can you feel joyful in the midst of less than joyful circumstances? And I, I would say first, point three there, because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Biblical joy is not natural, but spiritual. You cannot on your own produce the things of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Number two is joy. We'll talk about love next week. Joy, peace. We talked about peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Joy comes from the Spirit of God. It's a, it's a fruit, a, a product of the Holy Spirit working in your life. It's produced under the the influence, the special influence of God's Spirit in your life. You're not going to have this kind of joy that we're talking about unless you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. Remember Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 1.6 that Christians receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The deep joy that comes in the midst of affliction comes through the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17, Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Bible clearly, excuse me, the Bible's clear that joy is not a product of our human spirit in response to a pleasant stuff. It's a product or it's a fruit of God's spirit working in your life. One of the practical reasons that this is important to know is that it warns us against a false joy. There's a natural joy, even even in spiritual things, which which we may mistake for the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, that joy that the Spirit brings. Remember the parable of the four soils in Matthew chapter 13? Some seeds fell on a path and the birds ate them. Some seeds, and, and Jesus would later explain these, these this is the, the seed is the, uh, the word of God and sowing in the hearts of, of men and women. So some of these seeds fell on a path and the birds ate them. Some seeds fell on rocky ground, sprang up 
but because they had no root, they withered and died. Some seeds fell among thorns and were choked out. And finally, some seeds fell on good soil and produced fruit. Jesus said of the seed that was sown on rocky ground, he's speaking of the seed that went on the rocky ground and and sprung up quickly but didn't last, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 20 and 21, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Here is a joy that is not a spiritual joy. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's no evidence that true conversion has taken place. It's not a fruit of the Spirit because it vanishes It vanishes like the dew when the hot sun of affliction comes out and and beats down upon it. Why does this joy vanish so easily? Why is it superficial? Evidently, because it was not joy in or from God, but merely joy in some of the comforts that God offers, that God might bring into your life. It was joy based on circumstances. I'm going to heaven. Woohoo! But when the affliction and persecutions and difficulties come, the joy disappears because it's not a fruit of the Spirit. True joy is not based on your external, natural circumstances because it's a supernatural gift from the Spirit of God. Okay? So, so far, we've seen that joy is an emotion. We've seen that joy is not based on your earthly circumstances. It's deep. It goes beyond the circumstances, can even flourish in the midst of difficulty. And we've seen that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Our fourth and final point will add to our understanding of how we can experience this kind of joy in our life. We've hinted at it. We know it comes from the Spirit of God. But but let's explore the fact that biblical joy is found in the Lord found in the Lord. True joy comes to those who who can take their eyes off their earthly trouble and put them on the sovereign, eternal God. The psalmist writes in in Psalm 43.4, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. There's joy in the presence of God. Joy is found in God, in relationship with God. David writes this amazing verse, Psalm 16, 11, You make known to me the path of righteous, righteousness. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In the presence of the living God is fullness of joy. Real, true, deep, abiding, lasting joy that overrides the difficulties in this world. At His right hands are pleasures forevermore. Do you know that God has so much more to offer us, both in this life? You know, we all know about the life to come. We all, we all say, oh yeah, heaven, when we get to heaven, and, and that's going to be awesome. But it's not just heaven. He has so much more to offer us in this life. Do you get that? Do you believe that? Does your life reflect that? Are you spending your time and your talents and your treasures going after, chasing after the temporal joys offered by this world? 
Or are you seeking the eternal joys found in God? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of this, all of this joy will be added unto you. One of my favorite quotes, one I'm sure you've heard me say before, and we'll probably hear again, is from C.S. Lewis. And it speaks directly to the joy that we will pursue. He says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. See what he's saying there? We're chasing after this uh, worldly joy and all this, uh, the the things the world says, here's, this is going to make you happy. This is going to bring you joy when God offers so much. Our problem, though, isn't that we seek after joy. We need to understand that sometimes, sometimes we think that that's our problem, you know, uh, you want to try to make yourself happy. God designed you to want to be. God designed you to want to be happy and joyful. Our problem isn't that we're seeking after joy or even pleasure. Our problem is we seek it in the wrong place. We settle for the earthly, temporal, fleshly, fleeting kind of joy when God offers everlasting joy, when He offers pleasures forevermore in His presence. That everlasting joy certainly, certainly becomes complete. It's completed in heaven when there's no tears. But there's joy this side of heaven that comes to some. We saw it when Jesus talked about joy in, in John chapter 15, verse 11. Again, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. I love to... To, to, to emphasize this again, Jesus had joy. He says, my joy. He was rejoicing that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And he wants our joy to be full. The you Jesus is speaking to are his disciples. This is in John 15. He's speaking to his disciples. Those who put their faith in him. Those who are following him with their feet. That's really what it means to be a Christian, you know. To have faith in Jesus in your heart and to show that faith with your feet. The way you live your life. Jesus taught his disciples that they might experience fullness of joy in relationship with him. But this verse specifically applies to what he just said. Anyone know what Jesus had just said before uh, verse 11 of John chapter 15? He had, he, had just, he had just said John chapter uh, 15, 1 through 10. Right? You guys are... It's about vines and branches. It's about abiding and it's about bearing fruit. The two verses, we, we won't read them all, but the two verses immediately preceding verse 11, that's 9 and 10, are this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 
to experience this fullness of joy this side of heaven, that's where the disciples were, they weren't, they weren't in, this is in a heavenly speech, to experience this kind of full joy now, then you have to be about the things of the Lord. You have to be bearing fruit. You have to be abiding in Christ. You have to be abiding in the love of Christ. You have to be abiding in His Word. Keeping His commandments. That's what, again, back to what Tom said this morning about Bethany's inclination to to reach out to our world. That's a commandment, right? Go make disciples of all nations. Love one another. I mean, that's what he's talking about. Uh, abiding in his word and then taking that word out. The question we need to ask ourselves this morning is this. Are we experiencing the joy that Jesus came to bring? Are we, a, uh, are we, are we giving ourselves that opportunity? I began this message by saying that God wants you to experience joy. We just read, Jesus wanted his disciples to have fullness of joy. God is for your joy. God is for you. And God knows that real, lasting, true, biblical joy only comes in relationship with him. All other joy, and there's other joy. I'm not, uh, just so we're clear, I'm not against joy and having in children and joy in serving and joy in doing yard sales. I'm not against that. I'm just saying there's a deeper joy that God offers us all. And God knows that that real, lasting, true, biblical joy only comes in relationship with Him. All other joy is just the, the shadow. So the first step, the first step to experiencing true joy is to give your life to Jesus Christ. To completely turn yourself over to Him. To trust in Him alone for the forgiveness of your sin. To enter into relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if that's something you haven't done yet, that's something you need to grasp hold of again, please, uh, please do that. I would, I would just uh, invite you to come forward after the service and, and someone, myself, or one of our elders will pray with you, will help you to, to, to turn yourself over in prayer to Jesus Christ. Become, be, be, becoming a believer in Jesus Christ is the first step, necessary step, prerequisite to experiencing joy, the joy that He came to bring. But we also need to understand that the quest for joy doesn't end at conversion. It begins there. Conversion, becoming a Christian, becoming a believer in and a follower of Jesus Christ is just the beginning of, of a, journey, uh, a journey to joy. In many ways, the Christian life is about seeking our joy in the Lord. And we've touched on what that involves a little bit, just a little bit. It involves looking beyond your earthly circumstances to what God is doing in your life through those circumstances. It's it's having perspective about this life and who God is, His sovereignty. It It involves allowing the Spirit to work in your life, submitting to the Spirit of God, that He might produce the fruit of the Spirit, joy in your life. 
And it involves, it involves, deeply involves the Lord Jesus Christ. It involves abiding in Christ. That's that abiding, just remaining, dwelling, living with Christ, having relationship with Christ, abiding in the love of Christ, abiding in His Word, remaining in His Word, keeping His commandments. There's great joy in obedience to your Lord. I think as we think about, I've heard this, I feel this myself, and I've heard it from a number of people. Uh, I think one of the greatest joys that we'll be able to experience the other side of heaven will be when, when the, your Lord and Master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. But that has to happen now as we're experiencing the joy now. But you know what? This morning we've just barely scratched the surface of seeking our joy in the Lord. I hope I've given you a taste of what God has to offer. And what he offers is fullness of joy in his presence. And for those who, who would like to go deeper into seeking your joy in the Lord, I, I want to, I don't do this often, but I want to recommend a book. Uh, I've mentioned this book before. This book has had a great impact on my own life, my own ability to, to practice of seeking my joy in the Lord. I put the title in your notes. It's at the bottom of the back page. And the book is uh, Surprise, Surprise by John Piper. And it's titled, When I Don't Desire God. When I don't, basically, when I'm not experiencing joy could be uh, the title as well. And we'll see about that in the subtitle. In the book, Piper recognizes that seeking our joy in the Lord is not easy. All this stuff I've talked about and I've said, do this, do this, do this. It's not easy. We all want to experience joy. We've been hardwired by God to want to experience joy. But we don't, do it. We don't seek after it naturally in the Lord. We are sinful and in our nature we seek joy in other things. We seek pleasure in other places. And this book gives us great practical insight into how to not only seek, but fight for your joy. That's the subtitle of the book, How to Fight for Joy. You need to declare war on the enemy and fight for joy in the Lord. Let me, I happen to have a copy right here. Let me just uh, give you a, a couple of the chapter titles to wet your whistle here. Uh, the call to fight for joy in God. Joy in God is a gift of God. The fight for joy is a fight to see. Fighting for joy like a justified sinner. The worth of God's word in the fight for joy. How to wield or use the word in the fight for joy. The focus of prayer in the fight for joy. The practice of prayer in the fight for joy. How to wield or use, and this, this is uh, chapter 11 in the book, and it's a little different. Some of the stuff is going, yeah, I've, I've heard that before. This was new to me, chapter 11. How to wield the world in the fight for joy, using all five senses to see the glory of God. So, I recommend that to you, to everyone. No matter where you are in your fight for joy, there, there's something here for you. Now, 
uh, you can obtain this, this book, a PDF, online at the, that website. And if you need a link, I can send you a link if you email me. You can also purchase it as Amazon. Uh, I sound like a commercial now. Amazon, woohoo. Uh, paperback or for your Kindle. Or you can be one of the first three people after the service is over to ask me and I'll give you one of these. I have three brand new copies that I brought today. That's how strongly I actually spent money, my own actual money, to buy these. Uh, and if more than three people, I, I, can, I can get more. All I want you to do, if, you, if you're willing to take it, uh, is just to uh, make a little commitment that you'll read it. Not in the next uh, month, but maybe in the next six months or so down the year. So that's my, my Christmas present to you. So when the angels... Uh, so I, so I, again, first three people can have these, and if others want a copy and uh, don't want to buy it themselves, because you can do that too, uh, come to me and I'll get you one. So when the angels came to announce the good news of the coming of Christ... They knew the joy that he would bring. They stepped out of eternity. They, they had been living in this joy. They stepped out of eternity, so to speak. They came from the presence of God. They came from that place of fullness of joy where there are pleasures forevermore. And they said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. They came with good news of great joy. They came to announce that the eternal God was entering into time and space, entering into our human world. They came to announce a Savior, one who would bridge that gap between God and man, one who would live that perfect life and then offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins, one who would make it possible, make it possible for all people to enter into relationship with God. One who would bring great joy to the world. And one who, who you can, one that you can have relationship with today. So would you join me as I pray that we would, we would as a congregation and as individuals, we would seek our joy in the Lord. Father God, I, I come to you and I thank you for your word and just, just how enlightening it is how different it is from what the world would think about this this concept of joy, Lord. I pray that we would understand it. And Lord, I pray most of all, we would understand that you you want your children to experience fullness of joy. Lord, and, and you know, and you've told us where we can find it, and it's in you. It's in uh, your spirit and dwellingness. It's in Christ in our lives, Lord. It's in obeying your word. It's in going out to the world, Father. I, di- I just pray for us as a people that we would be uh, every day seeking our joy in you. In Christ's name, amen. Stand with us in joy.